Welcome to the Dreaming Big Podcast, where we talk about how to move from feeling stuck and stagnant in your life to accessing your dreams and passions. This is the place to make space for those big and often uncomfortable emotions without judgment or conditions so you can figure out what you want to be doing instead. I'm your host, Allison Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist in California. Now, before we get started, this podcast is not to be a replacement for therapy, nor is meant to be used for mental health, medical, or psychiatric treatment. If you are needing assistance, go to therapyden.com or inclusivetherapist.com to find a therapist in your area. Or if you would like to work with me, go to healingwithgroup.com. Welcome to another episode of Dreaming Big. I'm here today to talk about how the things that we do in one area of our life tends to mirror other areas of life as well. And these are the things that keep happening over and over and over. It doesn't matter if you move states, doesn't matter if you switch schools, it doesn't matter if you go to a new job, they seem to happen over and over again. And I'm also going to talk about how therapy groups can be a great way to work through some of these problems so they don't have to keep happening on repeat. Because honestly, we're the same person, like you as a person, you're the same person in one area as you are in others. Now, that doesn't mean that you probably don't highlight certain traits or skills in one area versus another area of your life example I'm thinking about like professors teachers you know teachers shows up t-shirts can show up as themselves and the thing that they're really amplifying is the skills in communicating ideas to their students now maybe the things that they're not amplifying like how they have maybe have a fun time out and about in the world or at conferences or whatever but even though we're not showing up fully as ourselves in every space, you know, again, highlighting certain, certain things, depending on the situation, we're still the same person. So story time. I remember when I was in, when I was an undergraduate and I had this therapist once cause I saw them through like the counseling center or like the student health center or whatever. Um, I, I remember this, my first therapist told me that, you know, because I keep having the same problems over and over and over that it must be me because I'm the common denominator. Now I remember at that time how ashamed I felt. I felt judged. I felt blamed and I, I felt horrible and I didn't return. I I never went back to that session. I mean, I've done therapy since, but at that point, super new And I felt super judged because it's like, oh goodness, I am the same person and therefore I must be the one who's making this happen. That this is me. This is all my fault. And me now, you know, almost 20 years later, ah, so long ago, um, almost 20 years later, I, you know, I don't agree with how that therapist approached it at the time because there wasn't a sense of safety to be having that kind of discussion or to explore it. However, it does make me think about like, okay, those things did happen over and over and over. And I wonder how much of that is because me being a neurodivergent individual living in a neurotypical space and how much of it was just like my own stuff that I kept letting, you know, participate in the, in the problem, because that's the thing that gets missed in a lot of conversation. How much privilege is in this, in, 
is in this situation? How much systemic oppression, how much is systemic oppression playing a part? Because that's also something that's very common. That's another common denominator that a lot of therapists who think on like this individual level just completely ignore. And so that's another reason why things might be happening over and over because systemic oppression is everywhere. All the ism, the patriarchy, white supremacy, ableism, and whatnot. And if you challenge the status quo by existing as a marginalized individual, then there you go. You know, some of these patterns are going to happen over and over. But I think that's what I really value about the therapy group process because even if there's parts of it that's from you from your own background from your own upbringing from your own ways of trying to protect yourself but it's actually now at this point causing problems there's a space for that and when it's not you because society doesn't want to make space for you and if they do and they will only accept you if you conform then there's space for you to just be you and it's beautiful. But either way, you're still the same person, despite the environment that you're in. And when these problems come up, the ones that are from within you, the ones from the patterns that maybe helped you growing up, but is no longer useful. This is where the beauty comes in, because you're going to still do those same patterns in the group. Because again, you're still you. If that's how you manage to care for yourself, you're not going to not do that in group because this is a new experience. Maybe at first, because most people act on their best behavior in the beginning of things. Um, But when you get more comfortable, you tend to act more like yourself. I'm thinking of people who are like dating and going to the bathroom, you know, like, oh, I can't even acknowledge that I pee or poop. But maybe someone who's in 10 years in a relationship You know, they poop with the door open or they're talking about it and sending each other pictures. You know, things shift because you're still you. You may be more polite in the beginning, but if there's something that keeps happening on the outside, there's a good chance that it's going to be happening on the inside of a therapy group. So, for example, these are just a couple that I see. It's like if you're someone who have if you have trouble trusting other people because you've been hurt in the past. You're also going to have trouble trusting people in a therapy group. Or if you're someone who is a caregiver, like let's say you're the mom of the friend group. You're the one who has the snacks. You're the one to, you know, wipe the tears and the shoulder the cry on. If you're the one who's taking care of other people, but you don't necessarily let them take care of you, you're going to find yourself in a therapy group doing the same thing. You're going to find your peers and when they're struggling, you're going to be the one with the metaphorical snacks and, and whatnot. And that can be really discouraging, especially when you're new to therapy group, because it's kind of like that idea of this is new. This is my new beginning. I'm going to turn a new page. And then when it happens, like, oh my goodness, I guess I'm really like, there's no way out of this, but aha. Because it's happening in the therapy group, it's the perfect way to break that cycle because you're seeing it in the, like, in that moment, in the here and now. So you're like, so you can call yourself out or have other people call you out, including me as a facilitator if you're in my group, 
with, hey, I noticed that you're doing this. I wonder what's going on. It gives you a chance to slow down. It gives you a chance to be curious. So then you get to decide how do you actually want to move forward? So it kind of makes me think of like individual therapy and like therapy memes because I love therapy memes. They're like hilarious. Um, so, you know, I'll think of these memes where like maybe someone's having this horrible week and, you know, like, oh, I have so much I need to say in therapy. And then they show up to therapy and they're like, oh, how was your week? And you're like, fine. You know, you don't get as much out of sessions when you're not actually bringing the problem into the session. And same thing with group therapy, but you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to bring it because at some point, if you actually start becoming comfortable with, you know, with your peers, you're going to start repeating the, some of the same stuff that you do on the outside. And if you're wanting to change it, it can be addressed in that moment. So you don't have to worry about, Ooh, I need to remember to bring this up because it's going to happen. It's kind of magic. And so when this keeps happening, it will also allow you to practice in the group. So I know like with, cause I do individual and group therapy. So like for individual, one of the things that I, it's not my favorite is, is having people open up on the outside when they're just barely learning how to open up to me in therapy. Because it's one thing to open up to your therapist who, in theory, as we all know, especially if you had a therapist before, not every therapist is the same and not every therapist is trustworthy. But in theory, I can open up to you and you're not going to judge me. And so it makes it really hard to apply it to other people in, in life because not everyone's a therapist, nor should they. That's not their role. And not, and it's not saying that that's not possible, but be more open because of individual therapy. It just sometimes makes it a little bit more difficult versus like a group therapy. You're learning how to be more open with your peers who are not therapists, which kind of also has its own power to it too. And so if you're practicing on other people who are like similar to you, it can make it easier for you to practice outside of the group. Because when you're going to learn how to be able to tolerate the discomfort and anxiety around opening up or around putting a boundary, because you probably already experienced in the group and you got through it and you had support. If, so if you're that person who's having trouble trusting others, learning how to trust someone in a therapy group will help you learn how to trust other people outside of it. Not only because you learn how to tolerate that discomfort, but also you get to feel what it feels like to be talking to someone who is potentially trustworthy or not. Now, sometimes it can be hard to tell, and sometimes you do need to get burned to figure out, ooh, you're not a trustworthy person, but it can be easier to like notice the red flags because you're having practice feeling, oh, this is what secure feels like. And same with the person, you maybe who has troubles with boundaries, you know, because you're the caregiver and you're, and whatnot. If you have trouble taking a step back or letting other people take care of you, practicing that in group, it's going to let other people practice, you know, you're going to be able to let other people help as well. So as we wrap up, getting therapy through a group can be really helpful to help make changes outside the group because the problems are going to be 
it's going to leak into the, the room. And when I say room, I'm like quotes because this can be also like telehealth groups. But either way, when you're able to work through the problem and like truly work through it in a safe space, it's going to be able to help you like feel more confident in making those changes out in your life. So yeah, thank you again for joining me. And until next time, toodles. If you have enjoyed today's podcast and are ready to take the leap to embrace your emotions and trust yourself so you can start dreaming, go to healingwithgroup.com. Make sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode drops. You can also follow me on Instagram at Allison Gomez LMFT.